welcome to the Found Cause, where we found our cause and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, and behind the machine, and to my left is... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And between us, it's... Theodore, under the PC, not really, but kind of under the person of Christ. Today's an unexpected reaction video because we had a debate fall through, so we are going to do this really speedy fast, but we thought we hadn't done a like semi-positive reaction video to people who we kind of appreciate in a while. Last time we did it was with Todd Friel, so we're going to do this one with Lutheran satire. We had our differences with Todd Friel, and we definitely have our differences with Lutheran satire because they are strongly Lutheran, but they're also pretty you know Christian and poke fun at groups that we also like to poke fun at. So we're going to look at their video, The Reformation Piggybackers, which is going to poke at at least me, Sebastian, you were raised Lutheran. Do you have any comments, Theodore? Uh, not to start off, I guess. All right, let's go. <laughs> Just stop the recording. Oh, my goodness. It's fine. We're going. Oh, you always that. do that because... It is October 31st, and I have got some... Problem when I do that is I turn it up to test our audio, and then I forget to turn it back down to its proper state. It's blasting it. It gets picked up on our little microphones. It is October 31st, and I have got some things to say. He's singing, My Fortress is Our God. Luther's a real hymn. Amen. And there we go. Yeah, okay. Now. My dad had A Mighty Fortress is Our God on cassette tape and played it in the minivan when we were driving places. So, good memory. For my morning schnitzel. Hello, Lucia. What are you doing? Oh, hey, Zwingli. I'm just starting that thing where I try to reform the Catholic Church. So this is Luther, of course, from, from Germany, or northern Germany, and then, or kind of middle Germany. Wittenberg? Yeah, kind of middle Germany, in any case. And then we got Zwingli, who is um, contemporary with Luther, so they actually did meet each other in real life. He's from Switzerland, and he's called the father of the Swiss Reformation. Zwingli and Luther got along until they didn't. They met to reconcile their differences. I forget the place. Do you remember the place? In any case, there was a council, a meeting where they tried to reconcile their differences, and they agreed on 12 out of 13 points. But because they couldn't agree on the last point, they considered each other heretics. Particularly, uh, Zwingli did not consider Luther a heretic, because Luther considered him a heretic. And uh, it was all because Zwingli said that the real presence of Christ was not present at the Eucharist, that it was just a symbol. Since it has turned away from numerous biblical teachings. Oh, so like you're starting the Reformation? Yeah, a Reformation, exactly. Cool. Can I join? Trust me being picky. He would not have known he was starting the whole ordeal. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. Away. He had absolutely no idea. They didn't also her. meet on the street here at the, the church. Oh, that's that's probably never tell you. That's uh, do you reject the works righteousness of the Pope and confess the chief doctrine of the Christian faith? That man is justified by grace alone through faith alone? Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. I also reject that the Lord Sharper is actually the body and the blood of Jesus because the papists believe that. Again. That is what he believed in. That's why they had their differences. He didn't reject it because of that. He rejected it because that's not found in the Bible. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what I would point to Lutherans and say, yeah, you're just wrong there. It's a total holdover, would be our opinion, that Luther had the opinion that it was the body and the blood because it was a little too revolutionary to say otherwise. Of course, Swingley did not because he just held to the Bible in that regard. We weren't, we were not in all agreement with everything Swingley said either. He was also anti-re-baptism, um, which we would say you need to get properly baptized. That's proper. But he was... Um, anti that so it's not like we're all pro Zwingli but at this point we are he was also anti-music in church yeah he ripped out the organ what a hooligan uh-huh. okay say, um, the communion Eucharist thing <laughs> Catholics use the word transubstantiation 
and Lutherans use the word consubstantiation, which means like with, and then um, in my Luther small catechism that I was given uh, growing up, it says uh, Jesus' presence is in, with, and under. So just a whole bunch of adjectives to just say that it is not it, like it's, <laughs> it's not it, but it's everything it can be as close to being it. Yeah, being it's basically to preserve as much of the Catholic language around it as possible, right? Like saying, this is the body and blood of Christ, and like, look over there is God's presence, or like, this is holy elements. But it's to avoid the weird, weird idolatry that comes with that, where you like, if you spill any wine, it's like, you got to lap it up because it's actually Christ's blood and any like magical powers around it. So it gets rid of like the worst things about the Catholic practice, but it's still a total holdover. It's not biblical. Something also that stood out to me as I was reading on church history was that plebeians were not allowed to have communion it was only the nobles and the clergy who could because they were afraid that some some poor peasants gonna come in fear and trembling pun intended and then drop jesus and then you're spilling jesus all over the church floor that would be terrible yeah and to, to luther's credit when he opened up um, communion or he uh, not just him but his movement the, the churches started opening up communion to the masses that was one of the big draws because mm-hmm. a lot of people came just yep. to drink the wine um that was like a big deal so um, Luther, Zwingli, we all are on the same team. And, you know, as much as we point out in this podcast, the differences amongst non-brothers, and we do want to distinctly point them out, and we still have differences with some of our brothers, they are indeed brothers in Christ. And so we shouldn't be as um, heretic happy as, as Luther and Zwingli were, though I would consider them both brothers in Christ. They probably would not have considered any of us here brothers in Christ. So we want to be very careful with our dividing lines. But the Bible very clearly teaches that Christ is physically present in the sacrament. And the point of a reformation is to be faithful to God's word, not to just be as un-Catholic as possible. But that's the point of my reformation. Your reformation? Bonjour! Yeah, the Swiss reformation, huh? (laughs) And here we got coming in good old Frenchie John Calvin, founder of what we call Calvinism after him. He didn't call out of the course. You might say it's the French Reformation because he's kind of the origin of the Huguenots. If you know anything about French history, the French Reformed Protestants that the Catholic French fought deeply against and the state eventually made peace with them and then they outlawed them again in the 1700s. But John Calvin is somebody who I admire as well and who also has some differences with me that I would not hold to. Like he's the founder of... um, once again, infant baptism and the justification of baptizing infants that the Presbyterians hold to today. So often the Presbyterians will point to themselves and say, we're the true Reformed doctrine, the real Reformed church, because Calvin was the true Reformed guy and he had this doctrine of pedobaptism. And I would reject that because Calvin, while smart and God gifted, he was not God himself. So just because he, he comes up with a unique um, terminology for baptism that is called covenantal theology that was made just to justify the fact that they baptize infants and it has greatly influenced the Presbyterian church today It's, but it's I would say though it refers to the Bible it is not found in the Bible Oh mes amis what is uh, how you say up Oh hello John Calvin Lucy here wants to join my reformation but he still wants to be a little halfway papist sissy babe yeah. <laughs> I mean honestly yeah <laughs> yeah he wasn't he wasn't afraid i don't think because he's a very like vocal guy luther was he didn't pull many punches but i do think that he he just genuinely was a halfway papist sissy baby you know you got to have him because much better than a full way sissy baby catholic man he's just you know halfway yes that was the whole thing that everyone forgets to mention that again this is why i emphasize he wasn't planning to just ditch and start a revolution he was actually saying pope 
the stuff you're some this clown over here in Germany uh, Tetzel is saying about indulgences that is heresy and should be condemned little did he know that the Pope himself was behind all of that jazz so then he was hoping let's change some of these weird practices that the church is doing but let's remain united in one holy apostolic Catholic Church that was his intent until they said no we're gonna kill you so then he had to hide yep as you know classic this is not true i just don't want to abandon the sacraments because of your scripture twisting pope rage abandon the sacraments sacre bleu who would do such a thing i would say i mean yes there was definitely anti-papist feelings everywhere because of the bad blood the papists were creating by the way john calvin is not contemporaneous with them he was after they were dead uh -huh. um, but close enough in our time frames that we just say they're all part of the reformation um but i would say probably a bigger drive that drove for poor decision making on zwingli's part on luther's part on calvin's part was not just differentiating themselves from catholics but they were still establishing what was straight simple biblical christianity which is still a debate today and so some of the things they take like like we said zwingli ripped out um his org the organs from the um catholic church or from his church sorry not the catholic church his own churches and uh didn't allow instruments because he he believed in and most of the reformers did what they call um the oh i'm forgetting it now but a, a principle of worship where you only do in worship and in church what the early church did in the bible and anything they didn't do that, that doesn't explicitly say they did you also don't do so we would say that the psalms are, are commanding of of or indicative of the fact that you're allowed to use instruments and praise god with the songs that are not psalms um, and then equally, Paul says, uh, greet each other with songs and, and holy songs and hymns and whatever else and psalms. And so we would say that the regular way we do worship in the U.S. where we have instruments and songs is just fine. It's glorifying to God. Those who believe in the regulative principle of worship, that's what it's called, um, like Zwingli, would say that because we don't explicitly see the early church doing that, we should not bring it into the church today, which I disagree with. But um, I think it's, the influence is more trying to be as bare bones christian as possible and they didn't drop some things that i think they should have and they dropped some things that i don't think they needed to and i would take them a little bit of slack because they were concerned about all the additional things the church had yeah. added on at the time all these weird practices such as not allowing uh, regular people to have communion yep. all the ceremonies all the beliefs indulgences the, all the all the Marian beliefs that were starting to appear at the time, so like I can appreciate the calls like to as a human, you want to get rid of all these perceived things that you consider blasphemous or unnecessary, and then you end up going to some extreme in some yeah. extreme direction. So yeah. I can I can appreciate it, but he was he was wrong about that. But it's not just trying to be different than the Pope. Like that, there was other underlying yeah. factors. He says that this is my body means this represents my body. Oh, Zwingli, what a fool you are. So you agree with me that the bread and wine are the body and blood of Christ? Of course not. The finite is not capable of the infinite. So you agree with Zwingli then? No, no, no. He says that ease does not mean ease. What lunacy? I say that ease means ease as long as the definition of ease is not ease. <laughs> strange put but uh this is where lutherans just i think fall flat on their face instead of martin luther himself before them all um they say that because it says this is my body this is my blood that it is there's how you're, you're perverting the bible to say otherwise that it's not his actual body and his actual blood um but sebastian you were saying even before we started this 
Yeah, so when Jesus approaches the woman the well and says, I am the fountain of living water, is Jesus a literal pool of water? I would say, our Lutheran friends would say, no, that's a metaphor. And I would say, right, right, you get it. When Jesus says, I am the vine, is Jesus literally a vine? I don't think so. He calls himself the narrow, the narrow gate, the narrow way. Is he a, a road? I don't think so. When God calls himself a rock, is God dense and... Is his true presence surrounding a particular rock out there or an infused rock when you remember him? Clearly not. These are just metaphors. So to take it otherwise is just to, it's piggybacking off the Catholic Church. So it is being a halfway sissy baby, as they described. Is a completely different position. You're going to... And it is. That's what we just, that's what John Calvin would have said. Is that is does mean is, so it is the plain definition of is, except that it's being used in metaphor. So you're not, you don't have to change the de definition of is, it's just a metaphor, that's all. Yes, and in defense of the, of Swingley and eventually Calvin too. The one who was very pouty during the synod that they got together was Luther because he started smacking the table. The table, hoc es corpus meum, hoc es corpus meum. This is my body, this is my body, this is my, he was just, so. There's a famous painting where he carved it into the table. I don't know that it actually happened, but he has it carved in the table. He's pointing at it, everybody is, the word is in German, whatever. To need to understand these distinctions, Luther, my friend, if you want to be a part of my reformation. This is my reformation. Reformation, you say? I'd love to get on board. And here's King Henry VIII, <laughs> the guy that started the English Reformation. Board. You would? Uh, probably not. A real Christian just did it for political reasons, as often said. I would agree with that, considering the reasoning for it, but... Um, I think he gets a lot of flack, and I'm always kind of skeptical of people that get tons of flack because he probably wasn't that bad. Even after you've called me a heretic for posting my thesis here, has your allegiance to the Pope changed because you've seen the heirs of his theology? Not really. It's mostly changed because he won't annul my marriage to that half-barren, pig-faced Spanish bride of mine. Yeah, so he's got a wife who's not bearing him any kids. He's went through th three wives, I think, at that point before, and so he needs an heir. And um, he doesn't have one yet, so he wants to divorce this particularly barren wife and get another, but the Pope won't let him. So he, as we know, Anglicans today are definitely the halfway sissy babies. And so um, it started with, with this halfway kind of, oh, yeah, we agree with most of the doctrines. In fact, he persecuted, like this just said, he persecuted Lutheran and Lutheran people, Reformed people. But he eventually flips for political reasons here. That's not Praise God, but it's not great for him. Good reason for leaving the Church of Rome. Now, Dr. Luther, your short-sighted attitude is precisely the reason why the Church of England has chosen Mr. Calvin here to be the chief theological advisor for our ecclesiastical Brexit. God is soft. It's, it's not why they chose Calvin. Calvin wasn't like some arbitrary separator from the church either. It's because Calvin was particularly influential. His teachings are particularly influential in all of Europe at the time because he has very solid teachings on the sovereignty of God. And indeed, soon all the world will confess that Jesus did not die for all the world. Well, not all of us are going to believe that particular doctrine, Mr. Calvin. Shut up, are you filthy renegade? No, he Again, reference to there's an English civil war over this doctrine as well. So for a couple other things, because uh, civil wars always are. But um, the Puritans and the English civil war were pro- um, this version of Anglicanism, and they changed the Church of England to being that that hardcore Reformed version. Puritans left, um, or I should say the Pilgrims of the United States left because they're a particular faction of the Puritans, and they didn't agree with the faction that was in charge of Oliver Cromwell, so they left to the United States, but the United States is Genesis from 
um, this disagreement within the English church. Eventually, the English church, though they were reformed, for, reformed enough, they fought a war over it, um, they end up going back to uh, Arminianism, which, of course, is a crying shame. It's not anti-gospel, but it certainly has not helped their church. And if you look at the Anglican church in England today, it's very weak. There are some conservative groups, and those are the ones that I would hold brotherhood with, but there's a lot of non Christian groups in the so-called Anglican Church, and I think it starts with an abandonment of biblical theology. You shut up! This is my Reformation now! Stop trying to steal my Reformation! Now don't get upset, Dr. Luther. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we're all deeply in your debt. After all, today is the day when you set us free from the shackles of Rome so we could follow your example. By quitting our church bodies and starting a new one the second we don't like the cut of someone's theological jib. That's not... But remember, they didn't even do that. Like, you don't want to do that. I would say that's an example. If you just cut away from a church, it would be like me saying, I don't like the, the way my church runs things. I'm going to go start my own church, me and some like-minded people. They actually took the existing church bodies and said, like, do we all vote to um, that, that we agree with these doctrines of the, of the English church and therefore reject the doctrines of the Roman church? And they said, ah, as a church. So they didn't break away from their church bodies. Their church bodies stayed together. In fact, whole towns usually stayed together because that's the way it, religion worked usually. You didn't have competing religions within the same town. So whole cities would convert. Um, so it's, it's not as flippant as he makes it seem. That's what I did. I got so kicked out. Ah, same difference. What do you say, Jen? Shall we honor Dr. Luther with a rousing rendition of yes. a Protestant song? Oui. Absolutely. Fun fact, this little um, flag he's got in the background is the, the like Christian-American flag that, that a Christian movement in the United States has put as, like, if America was to have rework its flag, that it should be an exclusively Christian flag. So this is, that's the Christian flag, by the way. How do you notice? Too much conservative Twitter. <laughs> We had this flag uh, in the Lutheran school that I grew up in from kindergarten to eighth grade. We there you go. The American flag and the Christian flag, and we did both those anthem or not anthem, uh, pledges. You pledge allegiance to the Christian flag? I think it had a little spiel. I don't remember it, but I definitely remember saying there was a short pledge, I think, for the Christian flag. I'll have to look it up later. It's a really odd one because clearly it's not a God-given flag, and God doesn't command a flag, so it's really odd to have a flag because God's kingdom is indeed real, but it's not on earth. But it is on earth, so I guess I kind of get it because you're like remembering that that we're all part of the kingdom of God, all those that are saved. But it is kind of weird to have it as like a competing flag because we're not making a nation under it. Ironically, if Christians were to have a flag, it would be the rainbow flag, but. <laughs> There are other groups that are competing. One day we'll take it. Yep. Yes. The, the Incas, the <laughs> oh, yes. LGBTQ, and the Christians. What a what a combo. What a combo. A lot of places take the rainbow, yeah, because it is God's rainbow. So supposedly uh, the pledge is, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one brotherhood uniting all mankind in service and in love. What a, I guess a total take off the American. That's such a weird sure American specific doctrine. I assume the Christian flag is made in America. Anyways, side sidetrack. The Protestants, we're on the same team as Luther. No, you're not. We are the Protestants. All our traditions are equally valid. This is not true. So again, alluding, here's crunky old Luther. He did not like the other Protestants. We would consider him a Christian, but just a grumpy old one. I would contend that there are Christians like this today. Um, some would say that I'm that way. So I want to be careful not to be too much, but um, that that 
there are Christians that we disagree with. I would put Pentecostals for the most part in that, that camp. I disagree with Pentecostals for the most part, but there are real believing Pentecostals. So I would say that they are indeed fellow Christians. They're just not my jib. You know, I disagree with their theology. I think they have problems. Um, and equally, they, could, they should think the same about me, right? That I'm a fellow Christian, but I have differences and they think I have problems because I don't roll around on the ground. <laughs> but there are proper dividing lines and so-called pentecostals are sometimes just straight heretics right often in fact because it's kind of a crazy movement but um there are definitely christians that we all disagree with that are still christians likewise just because you are a good old baptist or a presbyterian or lutheran that doesn't automatically mean you're a christian you could be a a goat in right. those churches so yep. just being part of a denomination doesn't really mean it's where it's where your heart and where who you're trusting in mm -hmm. Supposedly, there are at least two versions of the Christian pledge. <laughs> Thank you for the research. Flag pledge. Uh, the other main, supposedly main one being, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty to all who believe. Very similar. Thank you for the hardcore research. You're welcome. <laughs> cares what we teach about the sacraments or about the... Sacraments... I, I... It's such a like it, it's such a carryover from Catholicism. It kind of bothers me. Well, that is Latin sacramentum. For what? Like sacro is like holy. Yes, yeah, so the holy, but it's not. That's not a term given in the Latin, um, in the Vulgate, or any part of the Bible. It's just a descriptor of things they call sacraments. And yet, Christ instituted things that we should do. Right, baptism is a sacrament. Right, and and communion we say is a sacrament. He instituted them as things that are good to do. But making them their own category, I've always thought is strange. It's clearly a carryover, I think, from the Catholic Church and, yeah. and other church traditions that think they have some magical power, right, that they don't actually have. About the things. most important thing is the common song we sing. Oh, we yep. all hate the Pope. There he is. <laughs> that is the current Pope. We are the Protestants. If you believe in the real prayer. Or it is uh, <laughs> in a metaphor, it is a representation of the current pope. <laughs> actually not we'll call you cannibals, but then get mad when you won't commune us. Thank you for singing that song, Mr. Schlusser. I say nothing. It's not over. That was our part, right? This part we all are gonna do. Saluta. He making me so mad. Dude, Leo X, I know, right? I mean, it's like, who does he think he is to change the church's doctrine? These are two popes. We've got the current pope, Pope Francis, which if you don't know anything about Pope Francis, you can see the giant peace sign around his neck and the generally high eyes he's got. He is considered to be a very liberal pope. He is very liberal. He's said a lot of terribly liberal things. And I don't mean politically liberal, though he is. Um, I mean theologically liberal like atheists go to heaven and muslims and jews are our brothers in christ and we all worship the same god and protestants are fine and then roman catholics are the same as eastern orthodox and whatever else so he's considered very very liberal whereas the classic historical catholic church has been very not liberal very you know killy on the killy side so pope leo x is of course representing the old catholic pope of middle ages the type that says anyone who disagrees with me Kill them all. Yep. Oh, good. So you future pope, so you're not changing my teachings. Oh, I think you'd be pretty impressed with us, Mio Fratello. By the way, Leo is obviously Italian, um, as he's getting the accent, but uh, Pope Francis is like 
Argentinian. Argentinian and has some like skater dude American. After accent. all, what would you say to a pope who just like you hates on the Latin mass and who's on his way to giving communion to divorced Catholics and who's embraced the 160 million Catholic charismatics you probably would have called Montanist heretics and who also agrees with you that we totally shouldn't execute heretics. These are obviously things that he does anymore believe. because we all started believing in religious freedom in the 1960s. Which the 1960s was Vatican, the second Vatican Council, usually called Vatican II, which I, honestly I didn't, before I was into researching any of this, I hadn't really heard of, but it's a pretty big moment in Catholicism where they decided to stop the traditional historical Catholic stuff of persecuting Protestants and being very um, seriously anti-others and calling others non-Christians. And then they're like, oh yeah, everybody's actually fellow Christians and please come back because our church numbers are going down and I think we should do a different strategy. So that's when they changed to the softer Catholic church we know today. Which was also when we decided that people who don't believe in Jesus at all can totally go to heaven. And remember how you wanted to That's start a, a reference to the child in Italy that was crying to the Pope about, you know, it's my dad. It's not the only time. It's been a while. Like the Pope has said several things in this, but yes, one of the first things he did, like you're saying, was a, a, a kid saying, my atheist dad died. Is he in heaven? And the Pope was like, well, he got you baptized, right? That's a good sign. He's already a saint. <laughs> the crusade against the... Or he's like, you can pray to him, I think is what he said, which would indicate that he's a saint, which in right. Catholic theology means he didn't even go through purgatory. He was just like straight up. Which implies that he's nearer to God yeah. now and he's saved. Even though he's an atheist. Invading Muslims? Well, guess what? Just like you, this Pope also believes that Muslims totally worship the same God as us and that theirs is a religion of peace. So, Which, you know, they aren't. And I'll say uh, we've done a lot of episodes on Islam, so I'll save it at that. What would you say to that, Pope? I say I'm going to call the offer he's ahead. <laughs> Why, you ask? Oh. Uh, no reason. <laughs> there you go. That's a Lutheran satire. So a little quickie, a little shorty response video. Any any last words, men? So much for 2,000 years of continuous, exact yes. church unity. How um, else are you going to keep the church united on one theology if you don't have a big popey man? All right. Well, thanks for watching. I've been Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my left has been... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And to the middle has been... If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can go to foundcause.podbean.com and download them all for your listening pleasure. Of course, our episodes vary from reaction videos like this to deep theological debates and discussions, so please look at our channel if you aren't impressed by this. We've got a lot of stuff that might impress you. But until next time, we talk about something completely different. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.